Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Welcome back, folks. I'm Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show at 77 WABC Radio, the crown jewel of AM radio. Please take a moment to jump over to the App Store and get the 77 WABC radio app. That way, if you miss one of our programs, uh, you can go back and listen to it later, or you, of course, can listen live there as well. For my friends who are not in the greater New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area where I grew up, you can always listen to us at wabcradio.com. We are live streaming worldwide. There's very few places on the globe you can't hear us here at WABC Radio. Uh, joining me now uh, is Kevin Klein. Uh, uh, Kevin Klein is not a professional genealogist. Uh, he is not a professional researcher. Uh, he is not a historian. Uh, he is a uh, small business owner. He is a, a husband and father of two little girls. Uh, but uh, he became aware of uh, an area where he didn't think the government was doing the right thing. And therefore, he has taken it on himself to correct uh, an egregious wrong. As I understand it, while on a family vacation to Hawaii, uh, he sought to visit the memorial to the USS Arizona. The USS Arizona was one of those American ships and pay his respects uh, to his late great uncle, gunner's mate second class, Robert Edwin Klein, who was killed along with many others on the USS Arizona during the attack on Pearl Harbor, but whose remains were never recovered. Now, this is different uh, than uh, the way the Pentagon and those in government handled uh, those who were killed on the USS Oklahoma, uh, and 93% uh, of those brave Americans who gave their life in the service of their country uh, are buried at the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific, uh, where the those killed on the U.S. Arizona uh, are also interred, but evidently not identified. So uh, Kevin Klein decided to start something he calls Operation 85, He's doing it with his own money and his own elbow grease and his own initiative. Uh, and uh, he has a great story of success to tell. Kevin, welcome to The Roger Stone Show. Wow. Thanks, Roger. I uh, appreciate the introduction. You, you hit all the, the basic information there right on the, right, right on the, on the nose there. 
And uh, thanks for having me on and giving me an opportunity to kind of tell my story to, to your audience and use your platform. I greatly appreciate being here. Well, the reason your story is so compelling and why I was so interested in getting you uh, on the show is because it does show that one person can make a difference. Uh, even if you have to take on an entire government bureaucracy, uh, one person with the commitment to do the right thing can make an extraordinary difference. So tell us uh, about your project, uh, what you set out to do, what the obstacles have been. Uh, I'm going to sit back here and let you tell your own story because uh, it's extraordinarily compelling. And I hope that it inspires other Americans to do their civic duty. Yep. So, so Roger, you were right. Um, my uncle was killed in the Arizona. I'm sorry, my great uncle killed in the Arizona. Um, uh, I, knew, I knew his brother, which was my grandfather. So I kind of had this connection with that. But our family and what I found out through this project, almost every other family, we always were under the assumption that the USS Arizona, the sunken ship that's there in Pearl Harbor, um, is the final resting place of all the missing crew. Um, there were 1,177 killed from the USS Arizona, and that is both U.S. Navy and U.S. Marines because there was a, a, an attachment of Marines on the Arizona as well. I believe 53 of the Marines are unknown uh, and still missing, and currently 1,072 of U.S. Navy Americans are also uh, still considered missing. Um, we always assumed that the Arizona ship, whether they be entombed in it or surrounding it, the beautiful memorial above it, that was the final resting place of all of the Arizona crew. And to be honest, that's what our family always thought. And we were really, really okay with that. We understand the, the history that happened that day, the, the massive explosion. Probably, you know, some bodies were, are never going to be recovered. They think that some bodies were possibly just disintegrated from the explosion, from the fires. So if you really look at the history from that day, it's very logical to understand, you know, it, it's, not everyone is going to be recovered. It was a tragedy what happened. Um, but we always felt that that was their final resting place. And I think from our family and many other families that we've spoken to over the last year, we were all at peace with that. Um, whether mothers and fathers, you know, they didn't get to bring home their sons. They didn't get to bury them. They didn't get to have a body or that, that last final, you know, hurrah for their family member. They didn't get that. But everyone was at peace, at least knowing that's where they were. And so was my family. And on a bucket list, because I've, you know, obviously known stories about my uncle. I have items that he sent home from the USS Arizona. He was four years on the Arizona. So he sent home items from the family that ended up with me. So I've had this little close connection to him. And, yes, on, on a bucket list was for me to take, my, me, uh, take me and my family to Hawaii and uh, visit the USS Arizona Memorial, pay our respects which we did, and the National Park Service was wonderful. Uh, they allowed us to do a flag-raising ceremony there on the mast of the ship um, with his name on it, and they presented that to us. It was a wonderful ceremony. Everything was going fine. On the, during the trip, I had purchased a book, Roger, on what had happened that day, and it was, I was reading it on the way on the flight home. Um, I live in Northern Virginia from Hawaii. It's a long flight. Um, and in that book is when I discovered that there were bodies removed from the USS Arizona 
partial remains removed from the USS Arizona, um, never identified. Obviously, we were our country was about to go into a war. The, the area of Pearl Harbor was completely hectic and chaotic. Um, so they removed these bodies. They were unable to identify them, and they buried them. I believe there was 170 that they were unable to identify, and they just temporarily buried them. Um, about two years after the war, I think it was 1947, the U.S. Army began to uh, disinter those 170 from the USS Arizona, and they to do their very best at trying to identify them. And they were able to identify 105 of those 170 and uh, basically bring them home. Most of them were either brought home to family graves here stateside or the ones that were not were buried at the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific in Oahu, which is about 10 miles away from Pearl Harbor. But they were also buried with full honors and with their name on their grave. However, in 1947, they didn't have any type of DNA technology or they maybe even didn't understand that many years later they'd be able to use technology to identify these guys. So uh, like many of the um, killed during World War II, they just buried them as unknown. The USS Arizona were buried um, in multiple commingled graves, so they're not single graves. Some have 25 in them, some have eight, some have two, some have one. To be honest, they really don't know. I think they did their best at the time to put um, uh, bodies together in a very respectful way, but they were unable to, to bury them. And, and we were on our family never knew that there were unknowns separated as as most it was in i believe 2015 that they began a pearl harbor project and they began to um connect with family members from the uss oklahoma um now the oklahoma when that ship uh, overturned um it, it it was not as catastrophic with a fire as the arizona was so most of the crew members that died on the USS Oklahoma were actually entombed within the ship. And they made a decision at that time to uh, upright the ship. And over some time, they were able to get into the ship and remove all those bodies. But all those at that point were also unidentifiable. So they, along with the Arizona, buried them in the same uh, Pacific Cemetery uh, and marked them as unknown as well. I believe the number was uh, 394 unknowns from the USS Oklahoma. And again, in 2015, the DPAA, along with the U.S. Navy Casualty Office and the U.S. Marine Casualty Office, and many other agencies that are involved in, in helping identify Americans, um, they began a project, with the, uh, the Oklahoma Identification Project, where they went out and they sought all the surviving family members of those crew members solicited them for their DNA family reference sample. Um, and, and at the end of this project, and at least where we are today, like I said, there were 394 unknowns. They were able to positively identify and give these guys their names back, 362 of the 394. Um, and I want to put a little caveat on that. One of those 362 that were identified was actually a crew member from the USS Arizona. And, um, you know, the chaos of that day, it was a Sunday morning. There were, I believe, different types of religious ceremonies on different ships. So crew members from one ship were allowed to go to other ships. This happened, the attack happened 
you know, at 8 a.m. ish on a Sunday morning. It was a surprise attack. Uh, Americans and Navy guys and Marines could have been anywhere. And so during the process of identifying the Oklahoma, they were able to identify one U.S. as Arizona guy they suspected was on the Oklahoma, and they suspected correctly. So that shows me that um, when they separate these commingled graves um, and call them, these are Oklahoma unknowns, these are Arizona unknowns, um, when you get down to it, that may not necessarily be the truth. There could be Oklahoma guys mixed in with these unknown Arizona guys and vice versa. We already know that that happened. Um, So I was very excited to hear about this project. And when we came home from Hawaii, um, I actually received a letter from the DPAA. um, And I had given my DNA probably back in 2015 or 14 when I heard about the Oklahoma project, thinking that Maybe one day they'll do the Arizona, and I wanted to be the first one to, to, to participate. So the Navy did accept my DNA back in 2015 or whenever that was. And because of that, I was in the system, and I would get these letters from the DPAA inviting me once a year to go to their annual family update meeting. And to be honest, at the time, I saw no reason to go to it because my family member, according to what I believed, my family member was uh, either in the Arizona or under that memorial. There would be no reason for me to, to, you know, go to these meetings. But now finding out that these unknowns were, uh, in fact, removed, um, I, my interest was piqued. I had to. So this meeting was in Norfolk, Virginia. I live in northern Virginia, so it was about a two-hour drive. So I went to this one. And um, it was a very interesting meeting. Um, and you, at that time, get an opportunity to do a one-on-one with what they, what they call your Navy-assigned casualty officer. Since my family member was in the Navy, I had someone from the Navy, and you were able to go on a one-on-one. And at that point, I had had a lot more questions about, and not just information about my uncle, because I had quite a bit. I wanted information about when the Arizona project was going to start, just like the Oklahoma. And so I was, I guess, tactful enough to invite some of the higher-up people and that were attending that meeting. I had the director of the Armed Forces Medical Examiner System. I had some historians. Anybody I could drag into my personal one-on-one meeting, I did. And I, I, you know, I laid it on the line. I was very honest. I was appreciative of the information they gave me, but I was very honest and said, hey, I love the success of the Oklahoma. When is the Arizona uh, guys going to be done next? Because we didn't know about these unknowns. And, you know, I think our, our nation's mission is to never leave anyone behind. Uh, behind. Clearly, that's the, the mission of this government agency assigned to do that. And I was, Roger, I was really kind of let down and uh, disturbed at the answer I got. And I don't think it was meant in any nefarious way, but basically the answer I got from one of the officials was, Kevin, the bang is not big enough for the buck. And so they basically what they meant by you- that was... They told you, as I understand it, that to try to 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 identify uh, the remains of those on the USS Arizona would cost two point nine million dollars, twelve hundred twelve thousand six hundred man hours, and could take as much as ten years. And to the bureaucracy, it wasn't worth the cost. Exactly, the bang wasn't big enough for the buck. They would have to go out and find thousands of family members, ask them for their DNA. That Those numbers that you're referring to are correct, Roger. That was from a 2022 
feasibility study done by the Navy that basically said it's too cumbersome, it's too expensive, uh, it'll take up too much time, we're never going to be able to find all these family members, most likely we're never going to be able to do it. What they did decide to do, or a proposal, was, this was in 2021 we found about this, the DPAA director along with the Navy um, had were discussing a proposal to just disinter all the 85 uh, unknowns from the USS Arizona, do not identify them, uh, put them in a box, put them into, or, you know, obviously honorably, but put them back into the hull of the USS Arizona with the rest of the crew, wipe their hands and call it a day and say the entire USS Arizona crew was accounted for. Now, that creates many problems. One, we already know that there was an Arizona guy mixed in with the Oklahoma guys. So for you to for them to just assume that those are all Arizona guys is is not a good assumption. They most likely could be wrong. Also, another assumption, Roger, is when they began the Oklahoma project, they were going to disinter one grave, which they believed only had five remains. However, when they disinterred that one grave, believing there were five, it turns out there were 93 three sets of remains in that one grave, opening up a can of worms. So when I say they believe there's 85 USS Arizona crew members in those graves, you know, when this project begins, there very well could be many more that are identified, not only from the Arizona, but you might find commingled graves of other ships and other missing Americans from that day, uh, commingled with those as well. So it's it's a conundrum, but the bottom line is the government refused to do it. Uh, they basically said it was never going to happen. They were never going to identify those. And I drove home from Norfolk to, to Northern Virginia pretty upset. You know, that drive where you turn the radio off and you talk to yourself the whole way. And it just the, the, the um, anger just boiled up for the entire drive. And it was that drive that I decided if the United States government is not going to do this, then I will. Um, and I did and Roger, like you said, I'm not a re- researcher. I'm not a genealogist. I didn't know what to do, how to start. I just knew I'm a business guy. I can run this like a business and we're going to figure this out along the way. And that's what we did. And I got to tell you for, first, I decided to do this as professionally and uh, as I possibly could. Um, I did not want to raise money at the very beginning because I felt that that would cloud the mission of just getting this done. I didn't expect, Roger, I would be here a year later still kind of fighting and arguing with government agencies to do this. Um, But I knew that it could be done. So we set out on this mission, and I what I did first was I actually connected with every government agency that I felt would have some authority over this, touch this in some way, because I didn't want to be a rogue, angry family member. I didn't want to come at that angle. I wanted to come very professional, organized, and say, we're going to do this. We're going to help you. And to their credit, the U.S. Navy, uh, the Casualty Office, the U.S. Marines, very gung-ho, very excited. They gave me tips on kind of the roadmap to how to do this. The one government agency whose job it is to do this was the one government agency I thought would be the most excited about my announcement. However, there, that, in my opinion, is the upper levels of this agency, the, what's called the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency, 
or known as the DPAA. I've said that a few times. Um, that has the most bureaucracy, and that was the toughest wall to crack. Um, and I'm still trying to crack that wall with them. Um, it's, it's been very difficult. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of learning things as I go, learning how to maneuver through this. I realize that it's going to take um, politics. It's going to take uh, legislative, act, legislate, uh, legislative action to, to, to move this forward. It's going to take awareness to, to, uh, to, um, the, um, to raise resources and money. But bottom line with all of that, I still have gung-ho. We started this April 6, 2023. Since April 6, 2023, we started out, I believe it was 19 uh, crew members represented that had started before us. Uh, today, we've, sent, we've connected with over 760 USS Arizona surviving family members. Um, that is enough to represent 380 of the crew members that are missing. Um, and the exciting part of that is we're getting close to a threshold policy that the Department of Defense had set, meaning they would not consider a disinterment and identification project of the Arizona unless they had 60% minimum crew members represented with DNA. So 60% is 643 crew members need to be represented before they would even begin to uh, officially work on this. That's their policy. So my question was, well, what are you guys doing to get to that 60%? How are you reaching out? And the answer was nothing. They have no intention of reaching out. They have no intention of reaching that policy. It was never going to happen. So hence, the Operation 85 started. Family members began getting involved. I've pretty much put my entire life, as you said, on hold. Um, my wife and I are business owners here in Northern Virginia, and she's kind of running the business by herself. And I did not expect this to last an entire year, but we're closing in on an entire year. But the success we're getting is undeniable, and the DPAA and the Department of Defense can no longer shrug their shoulders at what we're doing because they are getting family members. Like you said, we have now 380 crew members represented our goal is to not stop at the threshold which is 643 we want every crew member represented but it takes patriots like you roger that allow me to come on your platform tell the story you never know where a uss arizona family member may be we're not driving around with bumper stickers on our cars but most of us know that story in our background we've heard it from our grandparents we've heard it from our parents we know there's a crew member and so while we have volunteer researchers actively actively working and doing genealogy trees and we're trying to reach out to them proactively um, platforms such as yourself and your shows um, allow us to reach out to a broader wider audience cast a bigger net and hopefully some some of your audience are listening to this have a crew member and their family and they can reach out to us and kind of help us out that as way as, as, as best as possible so that's kind of the story in a nutshell uh, it's an it's amazing story of one person deciding they can make a difference. Uh, let's get some information here. I know you've sunk at least $50,000 of your own money as well as your time and your resources. And, of course, time away from your family. Uh, you're doing something the government should be paying for, but they declined to do so. Uh, I am happy to hear that they are at least for the most part, cooperating with you. If people want to, uh, if people have a USS Arizona member in their family uh, and they want to contact you, how can they do that? 
Yes, please reach out. Um, it, our website is ussarizona.navy. It's again, it's www.ussarizona.navy. N-A-V-Y. Um, that's the best way. So we have a uh, online portal where a family member can just click on that and enter in some just some generic information. It's not too personal. And I want to say, Roger. You know, our website and our mission, we're really just a middleman with a third party. We do not collect DNA, our Operation 85. We're just civilians, volunteers. We're not asking you to send in the DNA of those family members. All we're doing is connecting family members to our project. We do verify with, we have um, one uh, board certified genealogist that has volunteered her time to verify the connection. Once the connection is verified, um, then we send that information either to the U.S. Navy, if it was a Navy crew member, or the U.S. Marine Corps, if it was a Marine uh, casualty. And then the, the Navy and their Marines pick up. They will actually then call the family member directly, confirm the information. It's the Navy that sends out the DNA kit. Um, it's very quick to do. It's just a cotton swab in your cheek. Everything is there for you. You put the uh, cotton swab back in the collection tube. It's all prepackaged. It's got postage on it. And then it gets mailed to the Armed Forces Medical Examiner System in De- Dover, Delaware. They collect the DNA. Um, many people are always hesitant, scared. What are they going to do with my DNA? Um, these projects are compartmentalized, which means um, there is no sharing of information outside of the USS Arizona DNA project. Um, we even have to be careful, and we have been, um, when we give uh contact information to the navy um even though we've given them the name address phone number the relationship um the navy is not allowed to share any personable information back with us because they want to keep make sure that that information is secure so we found out found ways to kind of work along that we really uh uh identify people with their either y dna or mt dna so it's, it's, it's a very complicated process, but we tried to make it as efficient and as easy. And again, this was supposed to take 10 years and $3 million, and we're at eight months and about $50,000 of my own money. And those are physical costs, Roger. I, I can't account. We have three full-time volunteers. And when I say full-time, they have also put their lives on side. So there's four of us that have just committed to this project. I'm one family member. The other two have great experience. They've worked on the 9-11 project with genealogy and identifying Americans from uh, the September 11th attacks. These are people that have really, really good um, uh, backgrounds and education in this. And by getting these high-level people on our team, it also made the DPAA kind of uh, take us a little more seriously because um, we were giving them the information they needed. But for some strange reason, they just didn't want to do it on their own. And, and that's what's sad. And, Roger, the other thing with this project, we've not only collected, connected with so many USS Arizona family members, we have connected with dozens and dozens of family members that have been fighting the DPAA with their family member in other theaters of war. Family members calling me from their, their husband or their dad is missing from Vietnam. And they're saying, how did you do this? How did you break the wall? We've been fighting with the DPAA for years. We can't get answers. And, you know, uh, there, there may be an opportunity here when the Arizona project is done to kind of use the resources, the efficiency, the methods that we've built to do this so quickly, hopefully to help other family members 
that are missing from the Korean War, or missing from Vietnam War, the Cold War, there's unknowns. Um, you know, there's a lot of families out there that never got answers. And um, there's not an easy way to connect directly with the DPAA. Um, they're all funneled through their casualty offices. And those are the worker bees. Those are the hard people on the lower levels working their butts off. And they also have to answer the phones. It was uh, probably, Roger, five to six months of me uh, sending angry emails, tweets, uh, getting politicians involved um, just to get my first meeting with the director of the DPAA. And we've had two. Uh, the first meeting was nothing more than an appeasement meeting where they basically said they, they couldn't be done. It was very early on. Uh, the second meeting was a complete uh, turnaround. They realized that we were making a lot of noise with this. We were starting to get a lot of people involved. The numbers were increasing. They realized they just couldn't ignore us at that point. But it has been very difficult to uh, break through that bur bureaucracy wall with some of these government agencies. And to all credit to the DPAA, I also understand now there's someone above them, and that's the Department of the Defense, that is telling them what to do. So even though I kind of put a lot of pressure on the DPA director and kind of point him as my, as my adversary to get this done, the truth is I think if him and I talked privately, which we haven't ever done, but should we, I think he might say, Kevin, keep going. You're doing great. A lot of uh, employees, it's fun, Roger, when I get emails from government employees and I get them from their Gmails or Yahoo, I know right away I'm going to get good information because they're emailing me information and intel um, from their private emails because they just want to keep me going. We're on the right path. We're doing the right thing. Um, we just need to break through the bureaucracy. And I, I think we're right on the edge. And again, I appreciate you know, people like you just letting me tell my story and, 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 and pushing it even a little bit further to where we can get this done. It's, no right. American deserves to have unknown on their grace. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Let me thank my guest, uh, Kevin Klein, who is doing his civic duty uh, to help uh, our veterans uh, and their families. God bless you, my friend. And thanks for joining us on the Roger Thanks, Stern Roger. Show. Appreciate it.